Today is all about our separation from God and God's amazing love in sending Jesus to reconnect us back again, to break down the barrier that separated us. Today's Bible reading is written in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Oh, sorry. Now, most people would be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. We welcome Pastor Robert up for his message on the garden, the curtain and the cross. And the <laughs> Morning. It's lovely to be back with you. Many of you won't know, but I was a member here for nearly nine years and the number of times that I was away meant that my wife came here on her own and uh, she found this a real family community place that she loved. I wonder um, how many of you would have heard of the shorter, the Westminster Shorter Catechism of 1647? Yeah, I thought so. Even some Lutherans these days have a job to remember Luther's small catechism or know about it. But in 1647, the New Anglican or Church of England put out a short catechism and the very first question that now I switched it on. There we are. The very short question, come on, that was asked was this. What is the chief end of man? That's a very old language, but it's simply saying what's the purpose of a human being? Why do we exist? And I find a lot of people have no idea what that means today. And they don't have an answer to the question. In fact, in our modern world today, it is true that the majority of people don't know the answer to that question. In fact, they don't have any answer. Because if you're someone who doesn't believe in God at all, well, then you'd have to say there's absolutely no purpose. There's no reason, no rhyme for our existence. We simply exist. We're part of the evolutionary chain. We're simply progressing through from animals to whatever it might be and that we live and there is no rhyme and purpose to it and we die and there's no reason or rhyme and purpose to it and we're gone. In fact, uh, uh, Stephen Hawking, one of the well-known famous atheists, was one of those who said, that there is no purpose to the universe. 
So what's the chief purpose of a human being? Now, I've discussed, I thought maybe Christians would have the best answer. But I have to say that often Christians actually don't know the answer. And it's quite a surprising one, and yet I love it. It is man's chief purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I found it that many Lutherans find it hard to say that to say, I enjoy God. I enjoy living with God. I enjoy being God's child. I enjoy the company of God. I enjoy the Holy Spirit within me. I enjoy my life as a child of God. And we find that hard to say sometimes. The reason that uh, they gave for for this statement was from 1 Corinthians about Whatever we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do all to the glory of God, which is great. Now, you've heard the story that Georgie told before, the the book which explains it all very clearly. So, amen, I'm going to sit down. I don't know how many times I have to preach a sermon and somebody beforehand has said it better than I can. And then I think, what am I doing here? It was really good. That book is fantastic. Just great. But I wonder if you understand part of what happened in that first garden. Because one of the things that we simply say, Adam and Eve sinned, God kicked them out of the garden and punished them, and that was the end of that. But the Bible doesn't tell us a great deal about what actually happened. But there is one thing that I think we sometimes forget, or we haven't yet really understood, and that is, that when Adam and Eve sinned, their very first reaction was not guilt. <gasps> I've sinned against, we've sinned against God. We have broken his holy law. We have, we're doomed, we're damned and everything else. No, their very first reaction was, good God, I'm naked. <laughs> the very first reaction, not Eve, you're naked. Adam, you're naked. No, I'm naked. And the very first thing was shame. More so than guilt was shame. They were ashamed. He were, Adam wasn't ashamed of Eve. He was ashamed of himself. And so the very first thing that happened as a result of Adam and Eve's sin was that their relationship with each other was broken. And then they discovered that so was their relationship with God. They hid from God. They covered themselves and they hid from God, not because they were guilty and they disobeyed him, but because they said, we were naked and so we hid. And human beings so often are in this exact same boat. Look, the number of times that I think in my life that I acted from shame, the fact that I'm ashamed of myself. How many times have you gone through a broken relationship? I imagine in any gathering of any group of people, there's a number of people who've been divorced, a number of people who've lost their partner, their husband, their wife, lost a child, number of times you've had a serious argument 
with another loved one or friend and your relationship has been fractured. And it is one of the most painful and sad things of life. I lost my best friend at one point, not because he died, but because something changed. And it hurts and it always will. And there's a shame in me as well that says, what did I do towards that? Or what didn't I do that could have healed that? And so there is within us, we know the times we have fights and arguments and disagreements and sometimes it is about our shame that we said what we did. If I took one day of what I said and did and thought and put it on that screen, I would be scared you would never talk to me again. Because we're ashamed of our thoughts, of we're ashamed of many of the things that we do. We're, we're ashamed that we're not what we should be. It's why we hide ourselves from each other as Christians. Because I think if you knew me as I know me, let alone, wouldn't want you to know me as God knows me, but if you knew me just as I knew me, I don't know whether you would like me or whether you would accept me or whether you would totally judge me as being a rotten sinner and kick me out. Because we find it so hard to be honest with each other because of our shame. Now because of this, this the whole the basic point of Genesis 1 to 3 is that God created humans in his own image so that he could enjoy them forever. And they broke that relationship. And that relationship, once it's broken, is the deepest gulf. It makes the Grand Canyon look like a tiny creek. It is a gulf that nobody can break. Nobody can jump over. Nobody can climb down and up the other side. It is an immovable, impassable gulf. And it's there. And humans can't do a thing about it. And that's why when the mention is made of the curtain in the temple, the thing we need to understand is, you know, Jesus never ever got in the temple. He wasn't allowed in. You and I would never have been allowed in the temple. Only a tiny elite of priests were allowed to serve in the temple and behind the curtain where the Holy of Holies was, the only person who could go in there was the high priest once a year. In fact, because of it, they tied a rope around his leg. Well, we weren't sure if it was his leg or his waist, but they tied a rope around him so that if he died in there on the one day of the year that the high priest could go in, they could drag him out. Otherwise, he was there for another 12 months. <laughs> True. True. And this is how far apart humans and God had become. St Paul called it the dividing wall of hostility. And that's a really good description. A dividing wall means it's, it's one you can't climb over, you can't smash through, you can't dig under. It is there and it's stuck there. And it is of hostility. That is that human beings are hostile to God and God is judgmental of human beings and that on our own we are sunk. And there's no rescue, no escape, no way out. 
And that's what the first sin was all about. No way out. No solution possible by any human being or any human action. So, that is exactly what Jesus experienced. Jesus experienced... We often think of Jesus experiencing pain and, you know, he, he had great drops of blood that he was experiencing in the Garden of Gethsemane and we think that was the major problem he had or that he died on the cross and, you know, that was very painful. But the true pain was that he recognised that the Father was withdrawing his presence from him, that he was coming to this point in Gethsemane where he understood just how far apart God and sinful human beings are. He came to that point where he realised that he was truly alone. The disciples couldn't watch with him. They fell asleep. He knew what was coming, but he experienced God's rejection. He experienced God's abandonment because that's exactly what we all deserved. And this is why we look at that and we say, oh, Lord, (laughs) what you've done for us is beyond description. What you've done for us is beyond our understanding. I can't possibly understand why you would do this for me, but I accept that you have done it. I believe that you have done it, and you've done it out of love. Paul put it this way, while we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, although Paul admits someone might be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We deserved nothing but judgment and condemnation from God. We deserve nothing but eternal punishment. We deserve nothing but hell. We deserve nothing but complete and eternal abandonment by God. And yet, he sent his son, Jesus. And why did he do it? He did it for you. I'm not talking about you collectively. I'm talking about you individually. He died for you. He came for you. Often said, even though it makes no sense, if I was the only person in the world, Jesus still would have died for me. Now, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But it's true. It's true that every single human being is loved by God. And he sent his son while we were still his enemies, while that dividing wall of hostility was still there, he sent his son for you and for me. He died that we might live. But the thing is, is that when we think 
we might live. He's not talking just about that when Jesus, uh, when we say that, that he's not talking just about eternal life. We're talking about life now. A life that we live now without the dividing wall of hostility. The life we live now in the presence of God by the Holy Spirit within us. And we live this new life now. And so, oh, uh, Dare we say it? I can now enjoy God. I can enjoy, glorify him, but I enjoy him as he delights in me and in you. And there are plenty of times when I have said, if I was God, I wouldn't forgive me. But God does because he loves me and he's shown just how much he loves me. That's why this curtain that's split apart, even though it was in the temple and the majority, only the priests saw it, but the fact was simply there is now no division between God and those who are in Christ. Now we have direct access to the Father. You don't have to go through a pastor, pastor uh, or, or, a, or a priest or anybody else. You can go directly to the Father yourself through Jesus Christ who has died for us. Would you like to read this with me? And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his... Did we actually read that? What's that last bit? We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Maybe you just finished and I don't know if you can... Oh, you can read that better than I can. But the final verse, let's read that together. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Now, shame is something that we put on ourselves. God has taken away that shame. And he said, I know you. Don't think I don't know you. Don't think that anything you do in the dark or in secret is something I don't see. Don't imagine for one second I don't hear every thought that you say, every word that you say. Don't think that you have any part of your being that I don't know completely and utterly. And when you recognise that, when you suddenly realise, oops, no clothes, God sees me as I am. And there's no point in being ashamed but of being grateful and thankful and recognising, as Hebrews said, that Jesus despised the shame when he went to the cross. He took the shame on himself. And you know, it's, uh, I don't know whether you ever do have a crucifix up there. You don't? Great because that's the symbol of Christianity, not the crucifix. The empty cross, not the person. But if whenever you see a crucifix, you will notice that Jesus always has underpants. 
Well, we call it a loincloth, but it was his underpants. Well, the thing is, that's only because Christians were a bit modest. Because we know that every crucifixion Romans did, they crucified their victims naked. And that's what we need to understand. When Jesus went to the cross, he took our shame. The shame of Adam and Eve that they were naked is the shame he bore on the cross. And he is the one who has said, it is finished. It is finished. They thought it meant it's all over. The disciples did. They all went home, locked themselves behind closed doors. But Jesus was saying, I have been victorious. So, it's Friday. But only on Sunday will we truly understand why today is called good. And God bless you as you continue your Easter celebrations.